from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 162, Robert Declassified. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. I'm John. And welcome back, everyone. And uh, yeah, we have Robert joining us for this one. Uh, it wouldn't be a Robert Declassified if we didn't have Robert with us. So <laughs> welcome back. It's been a few episodes since we've had you on here. I know. I've been I've been battling the internet demons, and I haven't been able to have a solid enough connection to participate. <laughs> But uh, but but you're back. You've got a great connection now. Uh, well, we, we're hoping. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We're testing it out. Yes. So, uh, but so far, so good. So far, you sound great. So, so yeah, we've had a, a quite a bit of listener feedback, uh, and so we're going to go over some of that. Uh, we have a contest we're going to announce, and then we jump into the meat of the episode, which is. The listeners have a lot of things they want to know about Mr. Atkins here. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's the rule, Robert, when it comes to the declassified right. episode. You must, right. answer, you must answer the question. Now, you can be creative with your answer, but you can't say, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I can't plead the fifth on any of these? You can't plead the fifth. You must answer the question. You won't need to, you Robert. Do, but right. They're they're. they're they're good. Right. All right. But yeah, you do have to give an answer. So it just the answer can't be <laughs> I don't want to give an answer. So Okay. All right. I have to make them a little nervous, John. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into some uh listener feedback. Uh we've had quite a bit. Uh we've had a few emails, some voicemails, and some iTunes reviews. So the first thing I wanted to uh <laughs> give us feedback was from Brad Withers uh, on the Stargis Facebook page, fan page. He said, uh, all right, I first just want to say that Stargis has been one of my favorite podcasts for a while since I first started listening a couple years ago. 
I downloaded them all and went back and listened from the beginning, which kudos for you for doing that, man. Um, having said that, Shannon and John have to go. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> He said, I can't handle listening to a Star Wars podcast where two out of the three podcasters aren't Star Wars fans. <laughs> How can you be on a Star Wars podcast and not like Return of the Jedi? I mean, seriously. He says, I just listened to the Force Awakens podcast and the whole time I'm rolling my eyes. Of course I'm being, of course I'm being tongue in cheek when I say this and I'm not really saying get rid of them because obviously it's more than Star Wars podcasts. And they are fun when it comes to G.I. Joe. (laughs) I just wish there was a way to get actual fans of Star Wars on the podcast when you talk about Star Wars. (laughs) He goes, it would be a lot lot less stressful. Ha ha. Anyways, love you guys. And I will keep listening either way. God bless. (laughs) So since Shannon couldn't be here, John, do you want to defend yourself? (laughs) Listen, man, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> I, I have said it before and I'll say it again. I'm done talking about Force Awakens. It is what it is. It was good. It was not great. <laughs> so keep I listening. Beg, I beg to differ. Don't keep listening. <laughs> Brad, you know, it's your prerogative and I respect that. Hey, man. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, whenever Shannon's on, I'm rolling my eyes too, but it's for different reasons. <laughs> so it's not just you, man. <laughs> but I will say, at least Brad admitted in there, because, you know, obviously he didn't want you guys to actually take it seriously. He he said, you know, being very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I, I like the fact that our listeners feel like they can joke with us about stuff like that. How much he was joking, hey, I listen, don't know. I, <laughs> I, I figured I, I, I realized when I had to exit that episode early, to, I had to get up the next morning to do a presentation that Saturday morning early. I knew that was going to be a polarizing episode. And it was funny because Shannon and I were hanging out that w- the weekend before it came out. I was up in D.C. and we were hanging out a bit and um, we talked about it. And again, we've just decided we're done talking about Force Awakens. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. We don't have to do it anymore. And that's why this show is about Robert Declassified. So moving on. Um, well, see, the next episode is going to be The Force Awakens Part 2. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I will respectfully, I will not be there. Is All right, so, so, we, uh, so we did uh, have, yeah, let's get Brad on the show for that. <laughs> All right, so we did have some uh, iTunes reviews, which I know last uh, a few times, a few episodes ago, I mentioned we hadn't really seen any for a while. Well, here I just didn't wasn't looking. <laughs> so, oh, that's part of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. Well, that might explain two, it. <laughs> two of these were in January. In all fairness, one of them was in December, but two of them were in January. So it, it it's not like they've been sitting there forever. <laughs> um. So I wanted to read these. Uh, so the first one comes from a guy going by or a person going by Echo CJB. This was on December 18th. It was a five-star review, which thankfully all of our reviews up to this point have been five-star reviews and we've had 52 reviews. So that's pretty good wow. track record. So yeah, I mean, if you're out there and you want to give us a sucky review, I'm not going to, you know, I'm happy to read that as well, but thankfully no one thinks we suck that bad yet. I yes. Yeah. 
So uh, Echo CJ, CJB said, this podcast is a fun listen. It brings back a lot of memories listening to it. Great job by the hosts. Short, simple, to the point. Um, the next one came from Eric C. Uh, Eric underscore C. Uh, and this came on January 5th of this year. And it was titled Appreciation of the Classics. So the podcast that celebrates the best of the best, the 80s. How can you not love in-depth examinations of G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Star Wars? He put it as a question mark. Um, I'm sure because he's <laughs> referring to it as the 80s. So highly recommended for Joe and Star Wars fans and appreciators of finer things in life. Not agree more. And then the cool. last review came from Superfly 2. So S-U-P-A-F-L-Y 2. Because Superfly 1 was evidently taken. Uh <laughs> So this was from uh, January 21st, and he says, hosts have great chemistry, love the topics, love the reviews, love this show. Download and subscribe now. So he's laying down. I think that's a threat. Yeah. I know. Watch out. Do it. Do it. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) So so awesome reviews. uh, And because we want to see even more iTunes reviews, we want to hear from everyone out there as much as possible. And it helps give exposure to the show. We have a contest uh, for, for some iTunes reviews. So here's how it's going to work. And then John, will, I'll turn it over to you to let them know uh, the fabulous prizes that they have in store for them. Uh, but the, uh, what you, all you need to do is go onto iTunes, leave a review and then email starjoespodcast at gmail.com and let me know what the review was. You can just copy it and paste it or just say, hey, I left a review on such and such date. Um, this way, I have a way of contacting you if you're one of the if you're a, a winner. So otherwise, I have no way of contacting you. I still thank you for the review, but I have no way of contacting you. <laughs> so now if somebody has posted a review, can they post another one? Sure. And what I, mean, I, that, I actually I don't know, know. is that possible? Yeah, I want to open it up. To I, don't, I don't think iTunes lets you do that. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. Um, I don't think so. I think once you post it, you can post it. Gotcha. So what? Well, what I want to do is because I don't want to be unfair to those that didn't that have already posted in the past. So if you have posted a review in the past, you can still enter by emailing us, but you still have to let me know which review was yours. Right. So, so there you go. Please be honest. Don't just grab a review that's on there already and say, <laughs> I was Superfly 1. <laughs> Superfly 2 took my screen name, so I had to settle right. for 1. <laughs> so, uh, so, yes, please email us uh, at Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what the rev- you know which one was your review. Please, you know, those of you that have not left a review, leave a review. And if they do... What can they win, John? I will have an assortment of funny book goodness for them. <laughs> that sounds some things so that have been discussed on the show. Some some that are that are particularly to Star Joe's and GI Joe Star Wars related, but also some of the things that that uh, that we've talked about over the last many months. Uh, as I picked up along the way, uh, yeah, it'll just be a, an assorted. A sorted book or sorted bag of, of funny book goodness. So sounds good. Sounds good. So if you like comics, and I know you do, otherwise you wouldn't listen to us. Um, well, maybe you would. 
Uh, <laughs> and if you like bags, <laughs> if you like bags, yeah. <laughs> um, then you'll want to enter this contest. But no, also because we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you think of the show, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and uh, and just let us know. And like you said, leaving reviews helps us get more exposure. So if you want to help support the show and you haven't left a review yet, it really does help us if you leave a review. So, um, so we did have some other listener feedback. Uh, let me go to my email here. So, <laughs> sorry, John. There's going to be a little bit more um, Force Awakens here. <laughs> so you can just go to sleep if you want to. <laughs> So this is from uh, Brad Bellinger. So a different Brad, uh, not th- not the same Brad that we just heard from. At least I think so. So he's uh, the subject line is testify, <laughs> and he's like, "Preach on, brother Ryan. I'm totally 100 percent in agreement with you on your assessment slash love of Ray. I thought the same exact thing as you uh, that she's also in my top five favorite Star Wars characters of all time." along with Chewie, R2, Ahsoka, and now also BB-8. That scene at the end where Anakin's saber flew into her hand and the burning Owen and Baru music came up, if you didn't get chills at that moment, you might not have a pulse. He says, I don't understand why some people can't seem to just let go and revert back to being a kid again for for this instead of uh, picking nits, uh, but each to their own. All the universal love for Avengers a few years back and some other films since then that to me are good, but not perfect and no, and no better than this, but those get respect, nay adoration across the board. And this is getting curmudgeoned. Uh, Ray, a uh, Mary Sue, he said, is, she, uh, is she was, uh, if she was a guy, uh, or he said, I don't know how to pronounce this. If she was a guy, it was P F F F T. People wouldn't be saying shit. <laughs> Apparently, this culture's lack of sexist mindset isn't as progressive as we all pretend. Uh, Emo Ren hadn't had a lightsaber competition uh, competition since he was most likely most likely ambushed and slaughtered uh, his classmates while Luke was away on a grocery run. <laughs> Who has he really fought besides an unarmed Max von Sydow or a computer console lately? He was rusty, and how good was he? And how good was he ever really at swordsmanship? We don't know. Plus, he was injured by Chewie. Plus, Ray just saw him murder her dad slash uncle slash kindly stranger right in front of her eyes. <laughs> we, don't know. we don't know Ray's lineage. Uh, that rage for revenge is a factor in the final battle battle's balance. Was Obi-Wan trained as Maul was when uh, he was def- uh, when he defeated him after watching his mentor get impaled? No. Padawan versus Sith Lord. Uh, was Luke trained uh, as Vader when he as, let's see, was Luke as trained as Vader when he held his own and landed a blow on Bespin? Uh, no. I do agree with Bo <laughs> that we shouldn't have to read the books to know slash understand basic plot points in a movie because we don't all have the time, money, or knowledge uh, of how to track uh, of tracking it down. Great point on every hero sans Batman is a Mary Sue. Cough, cough, snake eyes. Uh, 
However, I'm 99% in agreement on loving the film with you and Pele. And Pele, obviously, <laughs> being Robert. <laughs> I also agree with JT, mean John Thurman, that Bruce Willis sleepwalks, whereas Harrison Ford uh, and Mayhew nailed it. And a great idea of Luke waking up R2. Too bad they didn't do that. Uh, Indiana Jones isn't any more real than Star Wars, in my opinion. In fact, when you consider Amy Farrah Fowler's theory from Big Bang Theory, uh, that majorly shoots holes in Harrison's uh, favoritism. Anyway, I love you four crazy guys. Uh, What did Chuck think? Uh, And then he said, ha, 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 Bram Stoker's Leia. Both strikes again. Brad. (laughs) Which I actually found a picture. I don't know if I posted it on Facebook. I found a picture of Leia <clears throat> in that hairdo, yeah, with Bram Stoker in his hairdo, and it is he. Shannon was absolutely spot on. He was spot on. <laughs> he makes he makes such a good point. I didn't even think. I was like, what? And then once you post that, I'm like, oh yeah, he nailed it. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, I will tell you, Chuck loved the movie. He absolutely he was uh, right. I, I think right there where I was like, he just absolutely loved it. He enjoyed it immensely. Um, I haven't heard like if there was anything he didn't particularly like about it, but uh, he, he just really enjoyed it. So, um, and we were, we were going to have Chuck on uh, not that long ago and he had, he had to back out last minute. So uh, stay, stay tuned if we might see him again. <laughs> sometime <laughs> in the near future. Yeah. Um, that, that was a good email. I mean, he, he made yeah. good points. I think it doesn't take away from, you know, Shannon and John's point of view, which, you know, that they also had good value in the points that they made. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, not to rehash the same arguments or anything like that, but, uh, no. uh, yeah, but he, he made good points. Yeah. So we do have some, uh, voicemails. Uh, a couple of them are right before, uh, one of our friends went to go see the force awakens. So it'll be the last force awakens thing that we bring up. But, <laughs> um, I think, um, but he, someone did call us, uh, a couple times before going to see the movie. So I wanted to play that for us. Hey, star Joe's. This is a long time listener, Jake Rose calling. And, uh, I'm just about to listen to your latest episode. Yeah. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. It is nine thirty on December 16th. I spent the last hour and a half in a movie theater because my 12-year-old son and I are fixing to watch all seven Star Wars movies. We're going to roll film in just a little over six and a half hours. And uh, I just thought you should hear from Portland, Oregon. We are all psyched. There's a ton of collectors here and a lot of fans. Some people here know your show. And um, it's spreading the Star Joe's word. And uh, I hope you guys have a great time at Episode 7 this weekend. I will call with an update to how the... Uh, festivities go i can't believe it but just 24 hours from now i'll just be wrapping up star wars episode 7 i also can't believe i will be in the same theater seat for over 26 hours have a great great one guys love your show can't wait to talk to you later bye-bye so i don't i don't know if you guys knew about that but they did uh some theaters did do marathons of the previous six movies before episode seven started so Wow, man. I, I haven't done one of those yet. Uh, I'm so intrigued by them. I want to do one, but I just my schedule with kids and stuff like that doesn't quite allow for it. But yeah. I don't know. I'd be game for it. I'd love to do it. Um, oh, yeah. It, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> 
And, and it, from what I understand how they usually do it, from what I've heard from some people that have gone to these things, they do give you a break between a short break between each movie. So you do get to go you like use the restroom or if you need to go grab some food or something like that. Um, John, would you ever do a marathon before the release of a movie? Uh, depending on the movie. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> you know, I, obviously, we demonstrate that and again i'm not talking about this stuff anymore yeah <laughs> I, 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 it, depends, it depends on the movie yeah and it depends on do i get a catheter I, I <laughs> all right so he did call us back uh again just kind of give us an update on things hey sir joe's it's jake and paul portland oregon it's uh the 17th we're just got our 3d glasses on we spent 23 and a half hours in the auditorium and just finished episodes one through six can't wait. I'm starting from starting here, Paul. What do you think? Your first time seeing them in the theater? Um, I think they're just absolutely amazing on the big screen. There's just no other way to describe it. And the and Star Wars can you can watch Star Wars as many times as you want. It'll never get old. Except for Jar Jar. Exactly. All right, Star Joe's. Can't wait to hear you take on episode seven. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. So um, surprisingly, he didn't call us after he saw the movie. <laughs> But to let us know what he thought of it. But uh, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I, I know, man, kid. he's leaving us hanging. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool to, to, I assume that was his kid with him. Uh, I think that's awesome. Uh, I hope you don't let your kid listen to Star Joe's, um, <laughs> especially with certain episodes. But uh, but pretty, pretty awesome there. So let's see. I got another voicemail here. Let me go ahead and play this. Uh, and let's see, is this, uh, yeah, there's a two-parter to this, I believe. So just to warn you. You have me at the loss. You know my name, but I don't know yours. Who are you, Mr. Star Joe's fanboy? Just another American who's seen too many movies as a child? Another orphan of a bankrupt American culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon? I was always kind of partial to Jonas Jeffries, actually. I always liked that red scarf. Hey, gang, this is Brad. Um, that was just my little homage to the late, great Alan Rickman. Woke up this morning, learned of his passing. Most of the listeners probably would recognize him as uh, Hans Gruber from Die Hard or uh, Severus Snape from Harry Potter, but he also did a great uh, performance in uh, Sense and Sensibility, uh, from 1995 as Colonel Brandon. Uh, so it was, it was a bummer to hear about that. But yeah, I'm, I'm the same guy who sent a couple emails last week or whatever time it was. The question about Vader and Ahsoka and could he do his Padawan in after she saved his wife and he saved her so many times. And I wanted to thank Robert for the compliment of saying that that was a very well thought out, interesting email. Thank you. Robert, I appreciate that. Um, and the other email got more mixed reviews, but you know, my philosophy, it doesn't matter if you're laughing with me or at me so long as you're laughing. So, uh, I'm glad it, it got some chuckles. And then in case you recognize my voice, um, I did email the show a few times in the past or not. Well, I did email a while back. I think it was Nate. That was back when Chuck was on the show because he, re- he, re- uh, responded to that email uh, and then before that it was Chad on the 
the old Facebook page, I used to do a fair bit of commenting and a few picture posts as chat. But most recently, uh, as Adam, the uh, Christopher walking on the Skyhawk, that uh, was me and uh, the Bo Jackson to Shannon, which uh, he had two questions in that. And by the way, John, thank you. That that uh, the laugh you gave. Whenever I, I need to pick me up, I just I queue up like the 38 minute mark of, of episode 154, and uh, that puts me right up to hear you laugh at that. So I thank you for the positive response. And uh, but yeah, Shannon had two questions. One was uh, was it off the cuff? Yes and no. Um, I call this uh, what analogy do I give to convey what I think of of your contribution to the show? And then after a few minutes of thinking, all right, Bojack, that's it. But then once I dialed the number, it was just, you know, stream of conscious, just speaking from the heart. And, uh, so it was a little both. I thought of it ahead of time, but then. Okay. So it cut off there because there's a, a three minute cutoff for, <laughs> for the voicemail. Just, just for you guys to know in the future, if you, if you call and leave a message in the voicemail, there's three minutes and then it cuts off and then you have to call back. Um, <laughs> so. I think I've uncovered why I had such a hard time pinpointing when he would call in to know who he was. The guy's changed his name three, three, four times. <laughs> Whether he's emailing us or leaving a voicemail, he's like, yeah, on the forums, I was Chad. On the voicemail, I, most recently, I was Adam. Now he's Brad. <laughs> Pick a name. <laughs> Um, but no, obviously he's given us a lot of entertainment and a lot of, a lot of humor of things to listen to John, he, your laugh and your reaction to his Bo Jackson obviously just makes his day. So, so yeah. it was, it was really, really funny. <laughs> it, that was great. I really did. That broke me that night. That was great. <laughs> so here's the, here's the rest of his uh, voicemail. He does call us back. So let me go ahead and play that. Paraphrase, Shannon. Damn it! I gotta stop leaving these long-winded messages. It's cut out. This is the last time I give you, uh, or I make you sit through rather a two-parter. Uh, but I did have to answer a question. I don't want to leave them hanging. Uh, Mystery Science Theater was the other part. Did I like it? Heck yes! I thought it was awesome. And what I would appreciate is if, kind of the way Ryan uh, was given some recommendations of Star Trek episodes to try to sway his opinion. I would appreciate it if maybe Shannon just gave a handful of like the best MST episodes that beginners like myself should start with. Maybe I think it was the 1960s Godzilla. He had mentioned was a really well done episode of theirs in the past. So anyhow, um, yeah, just a quick couple of thoughts on the force awakens I had before. I don't know if it'll make it to you before you record that review episode, but I love Chewie. I thought Peter Mayhew, despite have, having no lines, did so much with just the body language, the subtle head tilts. You know, I just thought Chewie was great in that. And I love Ray, too. I thought Ray was amazing. Um, I know there's been a lot of theories. What's her parentage? Is she Luke's daughter, Han's daughter? Is she Obi-Wan Kenobi's granddaughter? Here's a wild theory just. I just thought of this today. Maybe that ship that dropped her off on Jakku before it as it takes off, maybe that ship was the Nostromo. Baby Ray is Ellen Ripley's daughter. 
and Ellen Ripley had to drop her off somewhere because she realized she was infected with uh, with a xenomorph aliens in their belly. So she's like, I'm going to fight it pretty soon. I got to get a chance against the ship full of aliens because she's five. That would be amazing. I mean, there's so many similarities uh, with her character and Ellen Ripley's character in Aliens. So. Obviously, that's just a bananas fan theory, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. So, thanks for uh, cranking out that great ear candy, fellas. And rest in peace, Alan Rickman. And look forward to the next episode. All right. Thanks a lot. He, he's always entertaining for a theory or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was. Uh, a very interesting theory. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was trying to wrap my head around it, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't see that ever happening." But it it could make for an interesting story. <laughs> it would make for a, a really interesting fan fiction or something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, it, yeah. And he also brought up the you know Alan Rickman passing away too. And I was yeah. I was thinking I think the first movie I saw him in that I really loved his character was the. Um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. How he was the sheriff sheriff. in that one? Yeah. For me, it was Die Hard, uh, which the amazing thing I found out about that was that was his first big movie. Like, he really did nothing but, you know, TV work and stage work before that. So Die Hard, you know, to be in a movie and that being your first movie and to play a character that is seen as one of the most iconic villains in movie history... Yeah, um, as Hans Gruber, I mean that's that's quite a testament to to him as an actor. So, John, do you have any uh, memories of of Rickman or anything, or anything stand out for you with him? <laughs> it, for me, it's uh, it's certainly uh, Die Hard and then Love Actually. Oh, which nice. I'm embarrassed to say. No, that's not uh, wrong he was with that great one. In that. Yeah, he was great in that. I, I you know, I my kids love Harry Potter. My wife loves Harry Potter. I've seen one Harry Potter movie all the way through. It was not for me yeah. and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I that's love certainly it. what they remember him for. He, he was a tremendous, tremendous actor. Seemed like a, a good dude. I, I, I've read, a. I guess after he passed, I was reading something. I, I, maybe it was from, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. One of the, one of the actors, the young actors in Harry Potter was talking about, after that movie was done that he kept in touch with them, that he went to see him on Broadway that, he, you know, he, he kept in contact with them. And that, that's really, that was really powerful. You know, that yeah. you know, he didn't have to do that. He was, yeah. Yeah. He was an actor, you know, he was right. a big time actor and right. didn't have to, to, to kind of keep track of these young people that were developing and have grown and obviously have moved on from, Harry Potter. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So anyway, no, I, I, <laughs> like I said, for me, it's, it's, for me, it's Hans Gruber and, yeah. and, and being that jackass that he was in love actually. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we unfortunately have been losing a little too many, uh, people from <laughs> that we know from our past and everything else. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, he was Hans Gruber for me. I did love the Harry Potter movie. So, um, I was a big fan of, of those. So, um, one thing I also wanted to mention, just speaking of movies, and and I know that uh, Adam, Brad, Chad, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> he did the Christopher Walken imp- impression. Obviously, in this, he did the 
Alan Rickman impression, but uh, just him leaving the voicemail reminded me, I just recently went and saw the movie uh, Eddie the Eagle, which actually has Christopher Walken in it. Uh, he plays a, a small char- character in it, but it's always fun to see Christopher Walken in any movie. Uh, but it's a, it, Eddie the Eagle is actually a good movie. Uh, it's based on the British ski jumper from the 1988 uh, Olympics in Calgary, uh, which is also known for the Jamaican bobsleds team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that. It was so funny that those both happened the same, same year. year right? yeah. that, what a, how random. Well, and yeah, the, how random. as you know, they did a movie on that, with which was Cool Runnings. Uh, with Absolutely. It's a fantastic movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, this is in that same type of vein. It's got that same feeling and everything else. So so it, it it's a uh, – it, I'd say it's a good feel-good movie uh, to watch. So I really enjoyed it. And referring back to the, the, bobs, the Jamaican bobsled team, uh, there's a part in the movie where – the radio's on and it says to take some attention away from uh, Eddie, the Eagle, let's turn our attention to the Jamaican bobsled team. So I like that little nod to the fact that they both happened in the same Olympics and everything else. So, and I actually watched a video interview of the, the real Eddie, the Eagle. He is such a likable guy. He's just like this, like they got an awesome actor to portray him because you really like this character in the movie. And then when you actually see an interview with the actual guy, you're like, wow, he's actually a really likable guy in real life too. It's not like they just did it up for the movie or something like that. So, (laughs) so it was was pretty cool. So I I recommend that. Um, The last voicemail we have here, I think is, uh, is meant for Robert. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you Uh, and bring this up here. God damn it. Hell. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) So that was it. (laughs) (laughs) So the funny thing is when I first heard it, I I was like, What's happening? Is the person like cutting out? And I was like, "Oh, he's supposed to be cutting out." <laughs> so, your thoughts, Robert? <laughs> well, okay. Leading up to that, you guys were a little choppy for me. Like your audio and stuff in in this call, you guys were a little choppy. So then, as you played that back, I'm like, "Ah, crap! I'm not getting it. I don't hear." It. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, that guy. <laughs> that is hilarious. So well played. Anyway. That. Um, all right. So <laughs> are we, uh, you ready for some questions, Robert? Do what? You ready for some questions? Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> all right. So I might, I might occasionally have to have you guys repeat yourselves because you are a little choppy. So. Okay. Yeah. Just let us know. So, I'm not sure um, so Robert or uh, John, why don't what what do you have up? Do you have the group page up or the fan page up or? I have the. Uh, I, I guess it's the. I don't know. I have the public group page up. Okay. So why don't I have the fan page up? So I can read questions from the fan page, and you can read questions from the group page. 
Um, so this, okay. this way we don't have to worry about it intersecting each other. Um, there weren't any questions on Twitter. So I'll check again before we finish up, but uh, no one on Twitter really asked any questions. So, But before we get started, I uh, wanted to, I did have to mention, Diana Davis has a request for this declassified. And her request is that uh, Robert has to do the entire show as Torpedo. And she said, this is now law. Uh. <laughs> I have to do the entire what? You have to do the entire show as Torpedo. <laughs> I think that would get old. It'd be a lot of high volume uh, exuberance. It might be a little too much. <laughs> okay. But in all seriousness, uh, John, why don't you get, go ahead and kick off uh, the the questions with the first one there? Okay, so I, there might be a few repeats or some threads. The first question comes from Lee Aaron, who asks, what is the longest span of time someone has waited for a commission? So what is it? Lee Aaron, she's awesome. So what, uh, what, sorry, what was the question? How the long, long, what is the longest span of time someone has waited for a commission? I think it was four years. And maybe about four or four and a half years. And it was, the commission itself was 18 inches tall by 45 inches wide. And it had 12 characters on it. And each character was 12 to 14 inches tall. So I penciled and inked that. Uh, I had to do it in two parts because only so much of it would fit on my table. And it took me about two and a half to three straight weeks to finish it. So the reason why it took so long is because I knew if I tried to do it piecemeal a little bit at a time, it would, you know, it was going to take even, I don't know. I just didn't see it getting done that way without the commission getting ruined, you know, me setting it aside or whatever. So I had to have a break in my schedule that was about two and a half to three weeks long before I could do this. And eventually I got it done, but um, that's probably the longest. I think that, Right now, there's people who have waited about six months or a year, and then there's a bit of a gap where I got a bunch done, and then there's the older crowd of people that have waited between two and a half or three years from when I was still taking commissions and putting them on a list that I'm still trying to get to. And those are generally the more detailed, like, cover-like commissions. So the people who have waited six months to a year, those are more of, like, the the smaller ones that I can turn out a little quicker. So, yeah, I think the record is about four and a half years from that one guy. How long has Ryan been waiting for his? Um, no, not that long. Not that long. Oh, okay. He had, he All had right. a star Joe's commission idea, but right, we're, we're talking people that have waited that like paid me up front for it and waited for it to get done. Yeah. The, uh, the people that, oh, I know all about paying people. I know about pe- paying people up front, not getting commissions. Let's not even go on. That. This is your declassified, so we'll keep moving. But no, he's I, talking about somebody else. <laughs> no, so, that's right. I keep a I keep a different list for people that want that want to be on my list, but um, uh, that haven't paid. Obviously, I want to get the the ones done that people have paid for first. Yeah. So. The only one that is, I guess you consider paid that I put a request in for was the Guardians of the Galaxy blank cover. Right. 
So that With, one was from, uh, Nova and Rocket. Yeah. yeah. So that one's from Baltimore. That was I. I won't say how long. two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. <laughs> so is it three? Is it is that it, is that one three? It, years? It's probably more like three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half years. I, I I'd say three. <laughs> it's been a while. I need to do that. Three. <laughs> so. But uh, but yeah, and we, and we're gonna we'll we'll talk another time or off the air about the the other the one other one that was like you said it was just an idea of something and there's been no money exchanged at this point with that one so <laughs> uh, it is a good idea though it is a something good idea i still want to talk to you about it because money might start coming your way depending on where things are for you so um all right so uh john i apologize for this question in advance uh but it's a question <laughs> from brad withers uh who we just heard from, he goes, my question would be, what is it like doing a podcast with two people that hate Star Wars? <laughs> he said, what is what? He goes, what uh, is it like doing a podcast with two people that hate, who hate Star Wars? And he said, joking. Oh, come on. He said he's joking. <laughs> come on, people. <laughs> I think, I, no, did you ever hear the term hate come out of my mouth? No, no. I think, um, all right, I was to be clear. <laughs> Damn, I think it brings up a good point. Here. If we all if we all agreed on absolutely everything, and we, we wouldn't have a discussion. We would all just yeah. be like, "That's great. I agree. That's great." And then that's not interesting. So I'm glad we have a difference of opinion on certain topics. Yeah, and I actually said I think on that episode I was actually glad that John and I didn't know at the time that Shannon had a different opinion than how I felt about it because it make like to your point, Robert. It makes for a good discussion. So. All right, John, you're up. Okay, so just so we're clear, in case anybody is looking at the old questions, I'm going to go through and give everybody one to start, and if we have time, we'll go back to the second. Some of them ask more than one. Sure. So I'm going to go on. Kevin Longman asks, do you have a writer, Robert, on your bucket list that you haven't worked with? And if so, who is that writer, and what would the property be? Um, wow, that's a really good that's a really good question. Um, well, I think um, there's a couple there's a couple of properties that I would love to work on. Something like, uh, like Captain America, Daredevil, or Nightwing are three of my favorite characters. And I would think like it, it would be kind of pie in the sky stuff. Like to to work with the writers that you know have I feel have had a really good run on that character. I think would be really cool. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's tough to say off the top of my head. It's not like I have a running list of, oh, check that guy off. You know what I mean? Um, for a long time, I did want to work with Larry because we were both working at IDW, but I wasn't drawing anything he had written. And um, and then we finally had a chance to work together on a, on another project. And so that was that was a lot of fun. And uh, and he writes in such a different method as many of the other writers I've worked with. That was an interesting challenge. And I feel for Shannon. <laughs> because uh it, it's a, a whole different approach to writing when you work with larry so it's just a whole are there mindset. words so um, like you actually get words on the page or <laughs> <laughs> well it, he, i mean he writes in what's called the old i know i know and, and he writes in what's called the old marvel style where he just kind of puts a paragraph down he just writes a paragraph okay this is going to happen on the page and it's really up to you to break down the pacing and the storytelling and the 
how many panels it's going to take to to do that. So it's a uh, you know it's just an added challenge as opposed to a, a lot of the more kind of modern day approaches is to just break down for the artist how many panels are on the page, all the actions, all the dialogue. Um, and so it's just it's a different approach. I've worked on a few other with a few other writers that have worked that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's just different, and and it is more of a challenge. It's not easier. So um, as far as writers that I really enjoy, um, I mean, they're really some of the, just the classic kind of superhero writers like Mark Wade, Kurt uh, Busiek. I just some of the some of the things that they wrote, like for me, were seminal type things, like the Avengers Forever. I love that story and just how he just knows Avengers. You know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there's, there's a lot of writers that I enjoy. Um, I don't know when I'd have the opportunity to work with them and maybe you never know down the road, but it'd be cool. So there's quite a few questions from uh, Diana Davis. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to start off with one of her. She says, how much time do you spend going to shows in a year? And is this important in order to stay competitive in today's industry? All right. What is that again? So how much time do you spend going to shows in a year? Oh. And is this important to stay competitive in today's industry? Um, I think so. There are some artists that are a little more socially introverted. And so they don't go to shows and they have to kind of work around that. They have to do a lot of online social networking to account for that. Um, there's certainly a value in meeting other artists and writers face to face and doing things with them going out to dinner and just hanging out, uh, you just building those relationships, you're going to work with people, you know, first, I mean, that's how, that's kind of how it works, especially if you respect the quality of work they put out and you know them, you're always going to get a call first. So physically being at the shows and meeting editors face to face. And I would say I've probably gotten almost just as much work, if not more work by getting to know writers and other artists than I have say getting to know editors. And that all comes about by communicating with the people you're sitting next to, going around and introducing yourself to the creators that you enjoy and just, you know, just that professional exchange. And then, of course, being at the show and meeting with editors and building up a long term relationship, meeting these editors over and over um, helps them remember you next time there's an opening. Uh, I think there's also something to be said about building up a fan base of people that follow your work, no matter what you're going to work on. Yeah. And again, you might respect somebody's artwork. Like you're flipping through book and you see the same artist a few times that you really like, and then you get to know that artist's name. So you recognize their name, but then, I mean, I mean, you guys could speak to this. I'm sure both of you go to quite a few conventions and you've seen how much more like tangible is it when you meet that artist face to face, like you can like and respect an artist's work, but as soon as you meet them, that adds a whole nother level of, I think, enjoyment to, if it's a good experience. I was to say, some, in some <laughs> cases it makes you go, I don't know if I want to follow that person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I think if you enjoy that uh, environment and putting yourself out there, I mean, it does take a bit of social, I don't know the best word for it. I don't know if it's confidence or if it's co- being comfortable with that scenario, but talking to people, presenting yourself, presenting your work, drawing in front of people. Uh, that's sometimes, sometimes that's a hard to get past or get over. 
But as soon as you've done that, or if you find yourself um, like, I enjoy it. Like I love it. I, you know, I'm, I'm never one to um, back away from just getting a chance to talk with people. And, and uh, so that helps a lot. I think it's uh, almost a necessity um, if you want to have a long-term career, I think it, it, I, I know there are some artists who don't go to shows, but in general, the most successful ones do. I mean, that I've noticed. Okay. Um, as far as how many shows to do, and that depends on, or like what shows you go to or how many well, you go to. She wanted to know more specifically how much time do you spend going to shows? Like, in- Yeah. Before I had kids, I was going to like 12 or 14 various, it could be a small signing, like a one day signing or a big three day, you know, tens of thousands of people type convention. I would do usually at least one, sometimes two of those a month. But as soon as I started having kids and it was obviously more difficult to get away while my wife has a full-time job, that's, I've, I've pared that down to where I do about six or seven a year. And I try to vary them between large shows and the smaller local shows like John was talking about um, at the VA Comic-Con and stuff like that. So doing, I try to do shows like that too, just to make sure I get a nice variety of experiences yeah cool all right john you're up okay i don't know if i'm gonna do this one justice but bo curly asked do you like black meat (laughs) (laughs) it was amazing that shannon has all of these experiences on his own (laughs) there's nobody to corroborate the story besides some prostitute apparently like i'm it's not that i doubt it happened i'm positive it happened but i'm just like i would want to be there i want to be there when these things happen (laughs) you have to come to baltimore because that's fun i know that's where it all happens for shannon man right (laughs) nice I don't know if you technically answered that question, but we'll we'll take that answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a Shannon declassifier, right? That's not me, right? Um, so this one, this is part of Diana Davis's various questions that she asked. This one's a little tricky. So um, she says, "At what point does one worry about promoting oneself versus working on a paying comic gig uh, to where the balance will?" Uh, tip into dangerous territory. She's got a good question. Yeah. Um, it's part of, it's part of the stress and uh, the, uh, the difficulties of working a freelance type career. And it's not just for comic artists. I mean, this could apply to general contractors or people that are, you know, anybody who is self-employed and looking to find clients on a regular basis. Um, the thing is, I don't have a PR department. You know, I don't have a marketing research department. If if I want people to know my name, uh, I have to actively go out there and promote me as an entity or something that people can check out and enjoy the work that I produce. Um, that can be done by just you know keeping your head down, putting out monthly books, and doing your best to improve as you go. Uh, and and there are artists who do that without hardly doing any kind of social interaction. Um, but I kind of found very early on that nobody is going to be out there promoting my work 
uh, as effectively as I could do myself. And generally, sometimes not at all, like nobody else is doing it. So if it's going to get done, it means that I have to proactively do that. Um, there are times where I completely pull myself off of social media. I'm not on Facebook for weeks, sometimes a month or two at a time. And when that happens, it's because I'm under a tight deadline. And so everything does have to take a backseat or it's just not going to get done. Um, and obviously that, that deadline work has to be my priority over everything else because that's what pays the bills and will lead to more deadline work. So, you know, when I do take on side projects or commissions or uh, trying to do like keeping up my blog, doing contests or uh, you know, being involved in other things, you know, besides um, art, even, you know, stuff and just other things in my life, like, when the deadline is tight, that has to be my priority. Otherwise it's just not going to get done. And, and I, you know, as it is, if I get laid on a few projects, then that you start to build a reputation for that. So yeah, that's, there's no easy answer to that. And I've been finding that balance for the last 10 years as I've been working, you know, full time as an artist. So um, there are times I feel like I'm more successful at that than others. And um when I, I pushed really heavily back in 2011, 2012, when I did that first year on my blog where I was posting a sketch every day. During that time, my deadline work really took a back seat. And that's right when I came off of Snake Eyes and I was working on that graphic novel that Larry was writing. So there wasn't like a strict deadline on that project. And because of that, I used that year to really build up self-promotion. Well, that one year on my blog provided me a whole number of clients. All of the toy package artwork came from that blog, me having that year. And so if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have caught the attention of various art directors and build up that whole side of my career. Um, whereas I could have not done any of that, focused on the graphic novel, and that would have come out. But would that have been as beneficial to my overall career, yeah. right? So it's a tough balance and there's no easy answer. It's, it's something that you're, I'm constantly trying to figure out. Yeah. All right, John. Mr. Eric Grubzilla Grub says, Robert, why don't you come to more shows where I can hang out with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, that's a good question. Uh, because the last Baltimore one I went to was really sucky. <laughs> For me, um, but it was. Know, I mean, I, I like I like the show. For everything for your sister too, while she was there. <laughs> well, that's true. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was a it was a very different kind of a show that year because the year before I did great, and I haven't gone back since then. So it was a transitional year for the show, and I, I just have. I think I was in a not in the best location in general, and. That can happen. You know, you can have a bad show. Everybody it happens to everybody. Yeah. Um, that, and that was just one in particular. I do really want to get out to either uh, another VA Comic Con or an NC Comic Con. Both of those are really good shows that I've enjoyed in the past. Um, and I don't know. I think typically he tries to make it down to some of those, right? Yeah. The Virginia one, I know he tries to make it to. So. Yeah. That's definitely a show I want to do some November, but I've got to work it out with my schedule. One more from uh, Dana Davis. She says, how does one stay atop promotional exposure travel 
while still finding time to work on books? Well, I, I found, again, it's a matter of finding that balance. I found when I do two conventions in a month, then I get behind in my deadline work. If I'm just gone for one weekend, then I can try and get a bunch of pages done before the show and then try and get some pages done after the show to make up for literally losing those two or three days. Uh, more like four days because I almost need a full day to pre- prepare for the show than the days I'm gone and travel. So, um, you know, the deadline doesn't change just because I have a convention. So if I take that on, it means I've got to work around it. And um, again, to varying levels of success. But if I'm doing that twice a month, there's no way I would be able to stay on top of what I need to get done. So uh, the travel aspect of doing conventions and promoting yourself is a necessity, like I talked about before, but you have to balance that with what needs to get done at home. So, all right, John. So, uh, again, something you may have heard before, Robert, and in some vein, <laughs> Nick Wolfman Z says, What's the average wait time on a commission? <laughs> That's hard to say um, because <laughs> it depends on how you've approached me for a commission. I would say the average wait time. Well, all right. This is my, this is my commission plan. One is to get, I'm not taking on any new commissions and I'm finishing everybody that's been waiting. All right. For whatever, however long that's been. And I'm not going to take on any new ones until they're all done. Um, The only exception to that is if I'm at a show and what I can get done at that show. All right. Because again, that's part of me going to a convention making myself available for who's there to get a commission. And so that's the only exception to that rule for the remaining, you know, 46 weeks out of the year, weekends out of the year, I'm home working, trying to catch up on other commissions. So as far as I'm, so this is the thing is I'm not taking on any new ones. The average wait time is how, how long you've been waiting (laughs) until I get it done. Um, I wish I had a better answer than that. So um, my, my plan is that after these are all done, then I'm only going to take five commissions at a time and I'll guarantee a turnaround time. And if it's not done within that time, then you can either re-up for the next cycle or, um, or just decide to be off the list. So that's kind of how it's going to work from now on so that nobody will have to wait for their commission longer than a month unless they actively decide to. So for me to get to that point, I've got to finish up all the, the past commissions I have. So that's the plan. We'll okay. see how that works. Um, so this came from Team Brian. What are your favorite G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and Transformers figures? All right. So what about so the figures? So what are your favorite G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and Transformers figures? Oh. So are they asking, of those three properties, which is my favorite or which is my I favorite think it's in each of those how you, However you want to interpret it, but I think they meant uh, which is your favorite in each of those properties. Okay. For Transformers, uh, my favorite figures are the Masterpiece figures, which are obviously high higher end you know, collectibles. Um and Optimus Prime is hands down my favorite, uh, just because he's the leader, and uh, we've already talked about this, and he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my masterpiece uh, Transformer, or you know, the uh, Optimus Prime uh, that I have is my favorite Transformer. 
My next favorite is probably Starscream, uh, just because I like jets. So that's kind of where that goes. My favorite, uh, Star Wars. Let's see. Now, I didn't grow up collecting Star Wars figures. So of the three properties, it's probably number three, even though I might enjoy the property more. But as far as toys go, um, as far as toys go, I would say G.I. Joe is my favorite, then Transformers, then Star Wars, just based on nostalgia. Uh, currently, what I have, um, if we're excluding vehicles, I would say it's Transformers, then G.I. Joe, then Star okay. Wars. Um, so for G.I. Joe, it's it's hard for it not to be like your favorite characters, right? I mean, because they're your favorite characters anyway. So it's like Flint, uh, Zartan... Uh, like so some of the what I really love is either it's my favorite character or there's a lot of ingenuity in the figure itself so like I was showing before like the snake eyes I have hanging on my wall like the the urban repelling city snake mm-hmm. eyes or whatever it's called where he's got like a backpack yeah. and two grappling hooks like I love that it's one of my favorite figures just because of what you can do with it um besides you know stand them up on your shelf so uh in general those types of figures i like now if you were going to say do i like figures over vehicles i'll pick vehicles hands down every time so of the things that i love that i have is like those awesome items like the millennium falcon and the uss flag and the you know my big uh optimus prime you know that i just got for christmas that kind of stuff (laughs) All right, uh, John, I know you're having a hard time hearing or seeing Robert, but uh, if you want to give you the next question. In, in the sure. So uh, Sam Strayage He-Man asks, Robert, when can we see some more Masters of the Universe daily sketches? Oh, man, I, uh, I want to do this so bad. <laughs> I've been wanting to draw He-Man for years, and nobody has ever requested him. And not that I totally wait for a request to do a drawing. That's like when I was doing my Thundercats week. It's not like I was waiting for somebody. I just did those because I enjoyed Thundercats. Um, but, and I had a He-Man like month plan. Uh, but then it just became like, oh, wait, I'm behind on my commissions. I should probably just work on my commissions <laughs> instead of drawing He-Man for the fun of it. So, yeah, I remember Chuck and I um, actually helped you plan I out feel like I can't, and everything else. I know. (laughs) I feel like I can't draw uh, what I want anymore. Like for the fun of it, I can't do that. Now I have fun drawing what I draw. And a lot of times I have fun drawing the commissions people have requested, but I don't get to just draw the characters I would like to draw. If I start doing that, I end up feeling guilty. And uh, there's enough people out there waiting for art from me that I feel like I can't do that. So if somebody wants to see me do He-Man stuff, you got to commission it or, Wait till all my commissions are done, so that might take a while. <laughs> it's something I would love to do. I would. Uh. Well, the other thing too is, I think I was about ready to start doing He-Man uh, sketches, and then Kevin Sharp started putting out like regular He-Man sketches that blew my mind. That were just so fantastic, and then I felt like, well, maybe I'll do something else because <laughs> nice. his were so good. All right, uh, next question that I had is also from Team Brian on Facebook. Uh, he said, do you remember the first comic book that you ever bought? Uh, yeah, the first one, 
because there's two. There's one. The first one I ever read was Iron Man two fifty four, where I like there's a guy dressed up in a Santa Claus outfit that's shooting a machine gun at Iron Man, and it goes ho ho homicide, <laughs> and like that's like on the cover, <laughs> and it's like this horrible story about uh, a guy dressed up as Santa Claus in a mall that starts shooting everybody. So. Um, that's the first one I ever, like, I remember specifically reading. Then, um, but the first one I physically bought that I can remember buying, it was, like, right at the image boom, and I bought Supreme number two, Supreme number one, and uh, Cyber Force number two. Wow. <laughs> Those were the two, the two first comics I ever bought. So, very quickly, I, I did enjoy the image boom. And I was a part of that, but very quickly I went back and was reading a lot of the X-Men because I would like pick up a lot of X-Men just on the newsstand and read it. But I, I didn't have money to be buying comics back then. So I, I, I read a lot of X-Men and my, some of my friends had comics I would borrow. But as far as the first ones I bought myself were totally just image books. All right, John, that's uh, that's all the questions I have. I know there's still some more from uh, from the group page. So I have got several here. Yep. Okay. Well, this one's from Uncle Teabag, and I can answer this in the affirmative for me. But, Robert, do you put Dusseldorf mustard on your White Castles? <laughs> um, I have never eaten a White Castle hamburger. What? We don't have they even have White Castles in Illinois. No, well, not where I live. I don't know. I've never been to White Castle. We have to know. change that. <laughs> Dusseldorf mustard sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm not a mustard guy, so I don't I don't do the mustard <laughs> thing. But uh, but uh, yeah, we got to get you to a White Castle sometime. So, all right, uh, do you want to take turns with these last ones, then, John? Or uh, yeah, sure. And I bound, I, there were a couple up top that I didn't go over because I gave everybody one chance. Okay. So so. Uh, um, you want to do the next one? Yeah, I'll do the next one. Uh, so we have uh, Mike Irizarry uh, saying, Charles Everett is riding the giant drop at Great America. If Chuck free falls for 2.6 seconds, what will be his final velocity and how far will he fall? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> math isn't my strongest suit. <laughs> Which is why I chose to be an artist. Uh, all I gotta say is, um, I hope the brakes work on the roller coaster. <laughs> Otherwise, Chuck Chuck's had it. That's it. <laughs> That's it okay. for Chuck. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> all right, John. Oh boy, here we go. Robert Mike Myers asked, "Have you ever shared an elevator with Keith Knudsen?" If you did, did he lift his leg? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, oh man! I don't, I don't recall. So maybe either it happened and the power of the of the funk like wiped my memory, or uh, or or I haven't had the pleasure. Um, I will. <laughs> I will say, uh, I'll, I'll let him go unnamed. I know John knows this guy. Um, that, <laughs> there was this awesome, 
<laughs> uh, situation back when I worked in Greensboro, North Carolina with Tsunami Studios. Uh, we, we worked in this downtown high rise and there was this communal elevator that we all used. And so me and two other studio mates walked into the elevator and at, right as we get in and the doors are shutting, one of the guys just lets one go. It's just like, <laughs> and we were just like, no, because confined space, right. this guy notoriously just had the worst. Right. And it was just like palpable. It was just so, so bad. So then we hear the elevator ding, and it's on the third floor. So we weren't at the bottom yet. So the doors open up, and it was on this level of a law firm. And this really, really beautiful woman, probably just in her, like, early 30s, you know, just, like, law professional, beautiful woman, goes to take a step into the elevator with the three of us. And you can tell she's committed, right? She can't take it back but the wall of funk just hit her right in the face (laughs) she came in with a genuine smile and then her eyes got wide but she was still smiling (laughs) and right then the guy the studio guy who let it go went like this and just points (laughs) over at the other studio guy so totally just pawns it off on (laughs) the other one and he was just standing there like smiling at her because she was a beautiful woman and he didn't know what to say. Like, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? But so then she turns her back on us and she's like facing the front of the elevator. And we're just like, oh my gosh, it reeks in here. It's the worst. <laughs> so she quickly hits the button for floor number two. So, <laughs> so she hits the button, the doors open and she gets out of there so quick. The door's shut and we just bust up laughing. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. We get to the bottom floor and it opens up. And we come out and we're just laughing like crazy. Oh and then God. as soon as we walk out of the elevator, we see the ele- other elevator open up and it was her. Oh, <laughs> so she left our elevator to go to the other one to just get out just of get it. Out of it yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So confined spaces, elevators, that's man, that's the worst. But you, you never had to. Sh- and whenever possible, blame it on somebody. You've never had to share it with, with Keith though. Not with Keith, but uh, it would be interesting to <laughs> see how that goes. All right. This, uh, this question is from Dean Stahl. He said, how did you approach editors to get work? Oh, let's see. A number of ways. When I first started, it was because of networking connections I had made from being at school at the Savannah College of Art and Design. So some of my professors who got me in touch with other artists who then hired me on for production work or... Uh, I went to school with Michael Sullivan, who was an editor who, after he graduated, became an editor at Devil's Due for G.I. Joe. So that was my first paid work was because of networking I made with other classmates. Um, Obviously, if you're not in a position to be at school or have those same types of networking opportunities, the next closest thing I could say would be being a part of an art studio. If that's not possible then the next thing would be just creating contacts online or especially while you're at conventions. So getting to know other artists that sit around you, you keep in touch with them as you update your gallery, your work portfolio, you let them know what you're working on um, so they can see you improve. There's a number of times where I get offered a job and I don't have time for it. Like I just can't get it done. So I then suggest other artists that I know um, that are a, 
of a quality level that I think would fit the role of that particular assignment. So yeah, you do need to get to know editors, but I think it's just as effective, if not more so to get to know other artists and to stay in contact with them as they can then suggest you for work when it comes around. As far as getting to know editors, the editors that I met in portfolio lines, I've never kept in touch with or have had a strong connection with. Editors that there was some mutual friend that introduced us or an event like through comics experience or through some quick draw like event or something and they showed up and you happened to sit next to them and you were able to strike up a conversation. Those types of connections. So I would make a connection with an editor through some kind of event like that at a convention, uh, not through a portfolio line, but through something else. And then the next convention I see them at, I make a make it I purposefully go to the booth, talk to them outside of the portfolio line, and again just I don't reintroduce myself or get to know them through those particular conversations. And then over time, just like any friendship or professional acquaintance, you you get to know each other. And as long as you keep in touch with them outside of a show, emailing them or, you know, whenever you have updates to your work, letting them know, uh, then eventually over time, you know, when you're available and they have a project that'll fit, (laughs) then, uh, you know, then they get, then they can put you on it. So that's a tough question. And it's not easy. Uh, after you've gotten those first couple of jobs under your belt, it's a lot easier to use that as a reference point and get other work. But those first few big jobs, it's almost, uh, you know, you. Uh, I think a mutual friend is, or somebody who refers you is probably the best way to get your foot in the door. Have, Sorry, long answer. No, it's but. good. And I have to apologize because as Robert's giving this very serious answer, I'm popping up different. We can see each other <laughs> with this new system. So I'm popping up different characters up on the screen. <laughs> I'm trying to respect this guy, this guy's Dean, who's an awesome guy. I love Dean. So I'm trying to respect him. Give me a little like kiss. An honest answer. <laughs> and Ryan's over there kissing his toys on the camera. Like, what? Right. killing me, man. Oh. I just gave, Apparently I just we're gave, picking up viewers now. I just, I just gave a kiss to Jim Gordon. Yeah, Ryan, make out with some more of your toys. Right. And we'll see you. Uh, how many viewers we can get? Oh man! <laughs> Do this one. Oh my gosh! See this? This is good TV for Brad. All right. He's gonna uh, it. <laughs> All right. So John, you got the next question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sam Sears asks, "What's the average airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow?" Uh, an African swallow or a European <laughs> swallow? I don't know. That's where you need to be kissing Jim Gordon. <laughs> That's a good question. All right, and then uh, I don't know. <laughs> Depends on the swallow. <laughs> I think you had the right answer there, which is just another question. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to circle back to some of the questions, like you had mentioned, John. Uh, you know, some of the earlier people that had multiple questions. So Learen asks, uh, when it comes to work, do you like randomness? Uh, for example, jumping from different properties and products, or would you rather be on a book for a long term? 
That's a really good question. That's a really good question because I've had a chance to experience both. Obviously I was on GI Joe for a really long time and I've been on a couple projects that have last like castle for Marvel that I've done, you know, a couple arcs on. Um, there is some, there's something very, very fun about every day being, being in my studio and having a different kind of job to do, um, or a different character to draw, uh, at the same time, that is probably the most stressful and frantic uh, periods of my career. When I was working on like all the illustrations for the Nerf zombie strike guns, I was doing the G.I. Joe illustrations for the Battleground game. I was doing stuff for Star Wars uh, action figures and, uh, and doing an occasional fill-in or covers for comic book stuff. And as I'm juggling all of that, like... Uh, multiple deadlines, multiple art directors or editors. Uh, it's just so stressful. And then when I do have a chance to calm down and be on a project for a while, like I was on America's army for about six months, six or seven months. Uh, that was really nice. Um, it's hard for me to then go from having two or three projects to just one. Cause I feel like even though I have this one project, which should keep me busy, I feel antsy you know like i should be doing something else too um so like right now i just started an issue one of a series that's going to be at least eight or nine issues long um and i'm actually working with juan castro again my inker from snake eyes nice so he's gonna be working on it with me so i'm in that mode right now where i've just came from doing uh multiple covers and other projects um obviously a boatload of commissions i just finished up and and I'm going to be kind of settling down into this kind of monthly grind of another kind of a deadline-like book. So I'm right in the middle of that now. I like to change it up. So um, that said, I mean, there's a few properties that I would love to do like a 12-issue uninterrupted run on. And I would drop everything to do it. Like if I could do, if I could do a Snake Eyes book in the way that we envisioned it, or if I could do a special missions book in the way that I've up pitched it to idw or like a gi joe transformers book like to do a 12 issue run on something like that i would just you know i would i wouldn't take any other side project any other cover or job i would just buckle down and only do that because i think i would have so much fun you know day to day that yeah you know so there's there's a few properties or characters that um that i would do that for otherwise i try to juggle two or three things at the same time yeah but I think we have uh, about two more questions left. It looks like there's, if, if I'm right, John, it looks like there's one from Diana Davis and one more from Bo Curley. Um, yes. So you could do, <laughs> you could do Diana Davis's and then Bo's a perfect one to end on. So Bo's is, yeah, Bo's is my favorite of the night, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So Robert, Diana asked, if there was a movie made of your life, what would Stanley's cameo be? And what would the after credits scene be? Oh man, that's such a good question. Well, I'm trying to think like who I've interacted with that's that old that <laughs> that has had that I don't know, you know what I mean? Like that's been that involved, you know, kind of with my life or Well remember too, sometimes he play, sometimes yeah. he just shows up as like the janitor or something like that too, so <laughs> Oh man. Um, let's see. 
I think he would play himself and we would happen to get on the same elevator at a convention. <laughs> it would be me, Keith, and Mike and Daryl getting on an elevator. The doors open. Stanley comes in right as Keith is lifting the leg. That would be it. That would be it. And what about? <laughs> would that be also your after credit scene, or would you? <laughs> <laughs> I think the after credit scene would be like, um, uh, man, maybe maybe one of the part, maybe one of the uh, hotel room star joe's parties or a like uh you know like a campbell con you know just where we're all laid back all the podcasting guys are together eating shawarma (laughs) there you go all right and uh bo's question bo curly's question one of my biggest fears in life is happening now my chest hair is about to grow into my beard where should i start shaving or should i braid it into cornrows (laughs) No, you braid that. You braid That's another it another Shannon question. Are you serious? Do you even shave, Robert? What? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can see it. This is like two weeks of mustache. Right can you see that shadow? Yeah. That's not a shadow. That's hair. Two weeks. That, um, I don't know like, what that's like. Chest? That, you guys have chest hair? That's What's like that like? that's like three days for me, Robert. What you're showing right now. <laughs> <laughs> and yours is probably blonde too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that, man. Yeah, I got chest hair. Uh... <laughs> I'm smooth as a seal. <laughs> not me. <laughs> that's a good question though man i don't know i i there was i've seen some of that crazy chest hair that just comes out over the collar yeah. i think as soon as it starts peeking out you gotta you gotta get rid of that <laughs> no that's good that looks that's a good 70s look right there so <laughs> oh man all right so that's that's all the questions john did you have any questions yourself that you wanted to ask or no, I, I appreciate Robert being a good sport and being open to this. I, <laughs> I have to say, I, as I was telling these guys earlier, I've been listening to some of the older episodes and I heard the uh, Chuck declassified, and I thought this would be fun. So, yeah, um, well, we're uh, all going to get a turn. Say it was, yeah. But thank goodness I'm not seeing any chest hair tonight. I, it's not <laughs> not on my list of things to do. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I can make that. I was afraid there'd be more questions about my. No, no. I'm kind of no. glad if it didn't go that no. way. No. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. But uh, no, I was kind of surprised at that too. I think it's because Jason Adams didn't get a chance to ask any questions. So. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, uh, yeah, eventually we will all have a declassified episode. Maybe we'll, at some point we can fit them all in within this year structure somehow um yeah john will have his shannon will have his i have not had one so uh i even have one coming at some point but which i am very <laughs> fearful of <laughs> we need to talk to your your parents and your sister first yes. before we do this yes uh, well that and get some dirt that on and you. people have had six years to think of things that they want to know about me <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah so 
All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this one up unless there's any like deep, dark secrets that you wanted to share, Robert. No, I feel like I got out of this pretty unscathed. It could have been a lot worse. So I don't want to add to the fuel to the fire. All right. We didn't even get into my childhood, and there's no reason. We, we don't need really to do that. So. Well, you've revealed some stuff from your childhood in the past. So, um, oh, so man. I think I think there's plenty of stories still to come out at some point. But <laughs> Hey, I just look at this as being the starting ground for people to start sending emails in and Twitter questions and all that. Yeah, you know, it's like we can have devoted shows, but people can ask anything they want when they write to the show. And I think in general, we answer it. Yeah, so. pretty much. So, all right, uh, Robert, how can they find you? How can they find your work? Uh, well, since I'm not hanging out in my neighbor's closet anymore for my internet, um, <laughs> you can find me in my home studio. <laughs> uh, you can find me online at Robert Atkins Art. Uh, dot blogspot.com for my uh, fairly regular updates to my blog, which I also post on Robert Atkins Art on Facebook. I do have a group page now for Robert Atkins Art, and that's just uh, one to control like people from posting pornography on my personal page. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and because there's going there's like a friend limit that way, and so that if I just do a um, a group page, then I can update that. So you can go there and I have large galleries of a lot of the commissions I've worked on and covers I've worked on, uh, broken down into the properties. So you can go check that out. It's just Robert Atkins art. It's the group page. And if you click like, then again, that just like with the star Joe stuff, it, it'll show up in your feed. So, um, that's probably the best way. Cool. And, uh, John, how can they find you? Sure. You can find me on Facebook at John Thurmond. Twitter is John underscore Thurmond. And uh, be on the lookout, uh, maybe out by the time this episode hits, johntherman.com. Cool. And uh, you can find us, it's uh, starjoes.com. That's where every episode is. And you can also email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. And remember, that email address is important. If you're going to leave us an iTunes review, which we want you to leave us an iTunes review, and then email us to let us know. That, uh, that you left that iTunes review so that you can be part of the contest and receive some amazing, funny books from John. And uh, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at Star Joe's Podcast. You can, jeez, uh, oh, there's a, a fan page on Facebook. You can like us on there. There's a group page on Facebook. Uh, if you ask to join, I will approve it. And then you can be part of the community there. A lot of different people participating every single day. Uh, with a lot of material, which is just awesome. And uh, we just have a great time on there. So definitely join that. We're on Stitcher Radio, and we're on the Podbean app. Uh, So the Stitcher Radio app, which is a free app, as well as the Podbean app is a free app for you. You can make Star Joe's one of your favorites on there, and this way you'll get uh, downloads. I forgot to mention also uh, in one of our past episodes that Star Joe's once again for 2015 was ranked in the top 10 podcasts for Podbean uh, in the games and hobbies category. So, uh, man, that's awesome. Second year in a row of that happening. So, that's pretty nice. awesome. So, pretty excited about that. Um, so, I wanted to make sure I announced that because I completely was forgetting about it the last few episodes. And uh, let's see, we're on Stitcher Radio. I think I just mentioned that. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> oh, leave us a voicemail. We played a few of those this time. It's uh, 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. And we will play the voicemail on the air and respond to it. Uh, YouTube is coming. Probably by the time this episode comes out, it might uh, the first YouTube episode might be out probably within a week or two of that, I'm hoping. Uh, I'm in the process now of finishing up the area where I'm going to be recording those. And uh, we're looking at a lot of different things that we I can potentially do with that and uh, get these guys involved with it as well. So it, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it'll definitely bring a new uh, audience to the podcast and bring some additional material for those who have been following the podcast, uh, some additional Star Joe's material. So um, I think that is everything. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and close this show by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. That's what I told all of you. I want radio silence until further... You're sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on the bulletin board. I figured since I... Wax Tony and Marco and his friend here, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely, so I wanted to give you a call. How does he know so much about this? This is very kind of you. I assume you are out of mysterious party crash. You are most troublesome. For a security guard. Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? Mm, these are very bad for you. Who are you then? Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. The pain in the ass. Whoa. Check on all the others. Don't use the radio. See if he's lying about Marco and find out if anyone else is missing. Mr. Mystery Guest. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. I'm afraid not. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker.